Welcome to the Let's Think About That podcast where we don't just react. We'll break it down and think about it. We're going to talk news, the law, sports, whatever we're thinking about. We're your host, Ed Yeager and Lee Allen. Lee, how are you? I'm doing well, Ed. Hope you are. I'm doing good. You know, last week we talked about Breyer's, uh, the, the rumors of, of Justice Breyer's retirement. Well, he made it official. And then uh, uh, there's been no one nominated for that position, but uh president says he's going to nominate somebody by the end of February, and then there'll be some type of confirmation fight. So I thought we ought to at least acknowledge that this process is moving along. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in your take on this notion of giving, I guess in this case, his, his Republican opponents in the Senate and the various groups that, that tend to align politically with them months, something like four, five, six probably, uh, to pick at whomever he selects to be his nominee. Um, I can't imagine the Senate would hold uh, confirmation hearings much before the end of the term, because if they confirm the justice, there has to be a vacancy. I mean, isn't that right? No, I think that the way that would work is uh, the confirmation vote would be held then there would be an oath of office at some point. Okay. And that oath of office wouldn't take place until the end of the term. So there'd be a vote. She's, in this case, he said it's going to be a woman. She would be confirmed. Then Breyer would actually formally leave, and then the, the nominee would take the oath. That's right. Okay. okay. And so what you know, the timing, as I see it, would be Biden says he makes a nomination by the end of February. They generally spend... Of course, our last you know confirmation hearing with Amy Coney Barrett was unusual because... Of the the approaching election then, but but typically the nominees spend several weeks visiting all the senators, meeting with them, and just having informal conversations. So they may not start confirmation hearings until the end of April, uh, and then it goes through committee. Then it goes to a floor vote, which probably pushes it into May. Uh, the term's probably over at the end of June or sometime in June. So eh, kind of right there at that time spot, I guess. That's a long time for that person to be on the hot seat. Well, it is. It is. But I, I don't think I don't think Biden cares about it at this point, whether they get you know chipped at or not. He's going to try to use that against Republicans one way or the other. Yeah. In some uh, fashion, a, a loss might even help him in his mind. Play it up in the fall. Yeah. With his base, because that's what he's going to be worried about turning out. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he wants to lose, but I'm just saying he could make he could try to make hay even if he does lose. And I don't think he's going to lose, but. Um, and of course, I don't know that you saw this, but one of the senators, uh, Luhan, I believe the name is, uh, mm -hmm. Democrat senator, had a stroke yesterday or day before. He's, I did not see that. He is apparently doing fine. He's hospitalized, but he's expected to make a full recovery. So uh, the Democrats are a person down in the Senate at this point. Any For, idea how long he may be out? No, I, I've just heard that he's expected to return in the near term. I don't know what that means. He's from New Mexico, maybe. right? Uh, yeah, New Mexico, I think that's right. Uh, yeah. I hadn't heard that. That's interesting. So, so there'll be plenty of time, and once we have a nominee, we'll have some more information about that person. I have to assume that he's going to appoint a judge, uh, although there is talk about someone who's not a judge, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I, I, and I'll just say this about that. I, I saw a rumor from uh, Jack Posobiec, one of his sources said that Kamala was offered and turned it down. 
Mm, that's now, an who, interesting rumor. Who, who knows whether that's true or not, but uh, but I did see that written. That, that's an interesting rumor. I'll bet she started that. <laughs> if I were vice president and I were offered a seat on the court, I would jump. I, I think if you were doing anything or were offered a seat on the court, you would jump at it. Pretty much. Pretty much. That's kind of a, that's kind of a follow up to our conversation last week. I guess the other news that's been significant is this: you know, there's a spike in crime across the country, one city after another, and lately there's been an incredible amount of violence directed toward law enforcement. Uh, as of I guess earlier this week, I heard that seven officers have been shot in the previous week. I know a couple more have been shot uh, just today. There were the funerals in, in New York of the two officers who were killed. In Houston, and Houston, yes, yeah, it's um, it seems that uh, the defund the police, anti police efforts from spring summer of twenty twenty, the effects of those are coming home to roost. There was a, a an officer shot, I guess, last night in New York. An off duty officer was driving to work. Stops at a stoplight, stop sign. Uh, an individual taps on his window. He gets out of the vehicle to see what's going on. Um, a gun is pulled. He's shot. Folks see him, and they catch the guy and recover the weapon. And it sounds like he, he will recover. But And I don't know that he was attacked because he was an officer or if they even knew he was an officer. But um, You don't know if he was in uniform? I don't know. Um, they said he was on the way to work, so... You know, I just I guess it depends on whether he changes in the in a, some sort of locker room area like sometimes you see on television or whether he, he changes at home and, and drives in in uniform. In any event, it's a very disturbing situation. It is. It's terrible. Well, you know, turning to legal news, which we've, we've covered quite a bit, it, there was an interesting lawsuit that just happened. I don't know if you got a chance to look at that complaint that Madison Cawthorn filed. I did. I did indeed. And he's a congressman from North Carolina. He's kind of being redistricted, but it was planning to run in a different district. People have challenged his uh, authority or, I guess, his eligibility to run, uh, claiming that he's uh, participated in an insurrection and he's banned from running for Congress. What did you think about that? Well, it's it's, it's quite interesting. It blends in with um, some of the uh, shows that we've done previously where we talked about this litigation involving the redistricting in the state and the, the, the current stay that is in place with regard to the uh, scheduled primaries and the change of the date and, and so forth. Um, but uh, th- there is this provision, this relatively unheard of clause in the 14th Amendment that was designed to prevent uh, former uh, Confederates from sitting um, in the Congress um, at the time the 14th Amendment was passed, uh, I, I think it, on a legal level, a constitutional level, is quite quite interesting. There are a number of avenues to sort of um, think about and, and analyze as it goes forward. I, I, you know, everything from shifting the burden of proof onto the candidate to prove that he was not, uh, in this case, um, it did not participate in an insurrection or a rebellion, um, to the uh, the notion under the also under the Constitution that in this case the House of Representatives is the ultimate arbiter of 
who is uh, eligible and uh, uh, and appropriate uh, to be a member of that body. Well, what struck me is you have to have, before this applies, to the extent it even applies, you have to have sworn an oath of allegiance to the United States. So you have to you have to have held certain federal uh, jobs and and then participated in an insurrection. Um, which, of course, in his case, he made a speech on January the 6th, and he denies that it was an insurrection and, and that he participated in any insurrection. But, you know, I think it's problematic that, as I understand it, there's been one person charged with a, an act of insur- with the actual insurrection since January 6th, 2021. That was done just recently in the last few weeks. Otherwise, we're talking about trespass and or violent trespass um, at worst. Uh, so I, I think there's probably um, some fertile ground there for Representative Cawthorn. I noted that uh, it's assigned to a Trump-appointed judge and the uh, it's in the Western District, is it not? No, no. It's the Eastern District. Western Division. Which I guess because of, because the defendants who are the uh, members and the director of the North Carolina State Board of Elections would be based in Raleigh for their obligations associated with the board. They filed it in the Eastern District, which Raleigh is in. So I think it's going to be fascinating to watch it play out. I thought the burden shifting piece of that might have been the most interesting, which you yeah. mentioned. And, and and what we're talking about is is the, the 14th Amendment in section three, and the language in there is that uh, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress uh, who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress, and I'm skipping the non-relevant language here, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion. And, and so before you get to that question, state law in North Carolina has this procedure by which people can challenge candidates for office. Someone filed a challenge against uh, Cawthorn, saying he participated in the insurrection on January 6th. Under the state law, the burden falls on him then to prove that it's not true. Now, most challenges have to do with people who don't live in their district. And so that's a pretty easy thing to rebut. Okay, here's my here's my house. Right. Here's my apartment. Here's my mailing address. It's in the district. You know, his position is, okay, now you're taking me, uh, giving me the burden of proof. Uh, and of course, if a person doesn't meet their burden, they don't win in court or in this case, an administrative hearing. How do I prove a negative that right. I did not participate in what you're claiming was an insurrection? And and the uh, allegations, while they have to be in a form of a verified affidavit, they can be based on reasonable suspicion. All right. right. So a reasonable suspicion shifts the burden to the candidate who then, in this case, would have to prove a negative. And, and, and actually prove it. That's contrary to our First Amendment precedent, which says that anybody seeking to curtail political speech has um, to face a, a, a good deal of scrutiny, you know, heightened scrutiny. Um, and, and so it's just a, it seems a little bit, um, Almost bizarre to me. I mean, I think it's a 
it's a good it's a good try, so to speak. Somebody did some creative lawyering to try and and come up with this theory as to uh, to, to these challenges. But you're right. I think the the purpose of the statute has to do with you know are they 18? Are they a felon? Do they live in the district where they're running for school board? Um, in, in this case, you know, as you live in North Carolina, because you don't have to live in the congressional district that you that you represent or seek to represent, those basic sort of issues. Anything beyond that, I think, you know, my, my interpretation would be that it'd be up to the House of Representatives. Yeah, so this lawsuit's pending, as you say, the Eastern District. I, I don't know how quickly this will get acted upon, um, but he's asking for declaratory judgment that the state board can't move forward with this, as well as injunctive relief. Yeah. be interesting to read the, the state's response. And the other big legal news seems to be this lawsuit by uh, NFL coach. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, former Miami Dolphins coach Brian Flores has filed a lawsuit against the NFL and three teams, uh, the Dolphins, the Broncos, and the Giants. And it was reported that, and I haven't read the actual suit, but it was reported yesterday when the news broke that that he was seeking a class action um, certification, suing on behalf of all, I guess, African-American coaching candidates, past and present, I I would assume. And he he alleges a number of things. He, He alleges that he was discriminated against because of his race, in his uh, firing uh, at the end of the season by the Dolphins. The Dolphins had just completed under his leadership uh, two consecutive winning seasons for the first time since 2003. He apparently wanted uh, the Giants job. As a Giants fan, I was hoping he would get it. I'll offer that as an aside. Um, He is a Belichick disciple as is the individual that the Giants hired, both of whom have the first name Brian. He he used a text message in his lawsuit from Bill Belichick. The NFL has a rule called the Rooney Rule for any head coaching position and general manager type position. A team has to interview at least one African-American candidate before they can make a hire. And he had an interview scheduled last Thursday with the Giants. Belichick sends him a text message on Tuesday. And it in, in the screenshot of the text, it just says, Brian. The guy they hired, of course, as I said, is Brian Dable, and he was an assistant with the Bills. This text to Flores says, hey, I'm going to summarize it. Um, I'm hearing from the Giants and Buffalo that you're their guy and congratulates him. Flores responds and says, well, that's great, but um, I haven't had my interview yet. Have you heard something? And then Belichick seems to realize that he's texted the wrong Brian and Flores asked him, are you, are you texting me or, or, or Dable? And Belichick says, oh, I effed up and I'm sorry. Um, so, so he's got that. And I guess it's, and of course, Flores, his take on it is, well, how does Belichick know enough to be sending a text message about the, the, the 
who's going to be selected before they've even interviewed. Them. Right. So, so the, 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 I guess the, the point is that that's right. That, that any interview that he would have done on Thursday with the giants would have been a sham. So he's upset about that. He recites uh, his interview with the Broncos three, four years ago, where he comes to the interview and the John Elway and the the equivalent of some other uh, corporate or team executive. I think Elway at that point was the general manager. He's not anymore. He's a executive VP or something. But anyway, they show up to his interview an hour late, looking, quote, disheveled and hungover. He says that, you know, they were just going through the motions as well. He says that the Dolphins, the the, the owner of the Dolphins offered him $100,000 for every loss. And I think this was in the 2019 season. I'm not sure. So that they could have a, a worse record and thus get a better draft choice. Um, and uh, he is, uh, I think, currently remains a finalist for the Texans job. And there's a lot of speculation as to why he would want to bring this lawsuit now and sort of potentially uh, muddy the waters in Texas and maybe turn them that their, their, their taste a little sour with regard to Brian Flores. What do you think his reasoning was to bring it now? I don't know. Um, I know that he said, you know, that, that this is wrong and this is bigger than I am. And I'm, I feel honor bound, so to speak, to, to bring this, even if it's not in my own personal best interest. Um, of course, you know, this is the off week prior to the Super Bowl. It's raining a little bit, I suppose, and, and it's bubbling in the news media. Um, and we'll continue to do so because Flores was making the rounds today on all the sports talk shows up, you know, prior to the, the, their glory week of the Super Bowl. And I'm sure Roger Goodell was not pleased. And, uh, it'll be interesting to watch it play out. I, you know, I think when all is said and done, the allegations with regard to the losses might actually sting them more than the, than the racial allegations. Um, and I, I saw a couple of lawyer types uh, speculating about that as well on the on the uh, various news shows that um, FBI might be interested. Well, and I was going to break it down along those two different theories because, you know, the, the 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 concept of racial discrimination is often very difficult to prove, especially when you've had a position and you've gotten terminated, even with a winning record. That can be a difficult lawsuit. To make, uh, however, when he brings in the reaction of other teams to the uh, the Rooney Rule, then you know he's trying to show that they're not really serious about that. From a public relations standpoint, though, that's significant for the NFL because uh, over the last year, year and a half, you know, since uh, since the George Floyd incident throughout the BLM riots, Roger Goodell has tried to just make up that he ever said anything bad about Kaepernick, and he's tried to you know, be very sensitive along racial lines for the fan base and the players in the NFL. And, you know, he certainly doesn't want this kind of publicity going on. I think he's good. I think the NFL is really going to going to take a hit in the court of public opinion, regardless of what happens in the in the legal courtroom. 
Yeah. Now, the other piece, this idea uh, of paying to lose games, there's always been this joke if a team's not doing well, they'd just be better off losing the rest of their games and getting a good draft pick. But the idea that someone actually offered a coach $100,000 to throw games, I mean, that's pretty serious, and that impacts whether you can trust what you see on the field. Right. And and Hugh Jackson, the former head coach of the Cleveland Browns, uh, there was a story out late this afternoon that uh, he, quote, suggested uh, in response to the Flores allegations that he, too, had been offered money to lose games. So, you know, that, that may start to snowball, and there's no telling what can happen. And, of course, it does cause you to question what's going on on the field. You know, that's not good um, for the for the league, its product, its players. Uh, it's troubling. No, and I don't know why he would choose to file now when he's in line for potentially another coaching job. Yeah. Except that maybe he wanted to do it in this off week before the Super Bowl yeah. because of the attention that is going right. to Right. I think he gets a lot of bang for his buck, so to speak. And I do think he really wanted the Giants job. Um, I think uh, that, that, that for whatever reason, um, he viewed, uh, and I'm putting words in his mouth, but he viewed that as a better job for him than the Texans are. And there are five, they're five open jobs, as I, as I understand it right now. So, yeah, I think that's why I did it. So what's on your radar for the next week? Uh, Well, the things we've talked about, I think, will continue to uh, fester, um, which is bad for some, but it it makes for interesting reading, the lawsuits. Um, We talked about three. Uh, This situation with Ukraine, um, I'd I'd like to tell you I'm really looking forward to the Olympics, but I've got to tell you the truth is, eh. You know, if it's on, I'll watch maybe. You, know, hey, you got to pick and choose your sport. That's right. That's right. And download the app. That way you know what to watch, when, and which channel. Okay. Curling. Yeah, exactly. My Scottish heritage. So there's that. Hadn't heard much about the baseball situation, and I think we will because we're coming up uh, about a week till spring training, Major League Spring Training anyway, is supposed to start. What did you see that the uh, Washington football team is now the Washington Commanders, or, or soon will be? What do I you did. think of that name? I, I don't. I, I don't know. I don't like it. I, it doesn't. And did you see the logo or the? I the saw seal? the logo, but I didn't see what their mascot's going to be. Well, they haven't decided. Be. Oh, okay. But that logo with the, the the circle logo is wrong, because they list the the, the champion, the Super Bowl championships as being one in the year in which the Super Bowl was played, in other words, January. The NFL says you might have won the Super Bowl in January of 1992, but you're the 1991 NFL champion as a result. So they screwed that up. It just They're going to be called the commies, you know, for good, bad, or indifference. Or in, uh, and I saw someone who was saying if they had named them the Red Hawks, then the song would still work, um, and the 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 R logo would still work. You know, I I think if you're going to change it, I, that's not what I would have changed it to. Um, I saw somebody say they ought to change it to the Rough Riders. The R would work. You could have Teddy Roosevelt as your mascot, not unlike the Nationals have mm-hmm. the presidents. You know, they're running around. They have one Washington. mascot could work. You know, year round baseball and football. Yeah, they have. You know, so I mean, I, I would have probably done something like that. Um, 
They could have gone back to their heritage. They were originally known as the Braves. No, well, that's not going to work. Well, but but I think the idea is is that that's a um, that's an honorarium kind of thing. I mean, it, it honors the, the 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 Native American warrior, whereas the Redskin is a is a racist, derogatory reference to uh, you know skin color. Based upon there's bigotry. no way they were going to choose any word. Oh no, no, I know, I know, American I get it. I get it. Um, but but they could have. You know, I was hoping that the Cleveland Indians would choose the Spiders in homage to their heritage, and they chose the, the Guardians, Black, which the is Guardians, yeah. which is about as bad as the Commanders. So I don't know. Uh, the NFL is. You know, everybody likes to talk about how baseball's in trouble, but I, I think the NFL has its own set of sort of issues that, not unlike you know. We've talked about earlier. Yep. What do you think about commanders? I, you know, I, I don't know how much I care, to be honest. With yeah. You. I, I mean, that's unfortunate, uh, but that's true. Generally speaking, I don't like change, so uh, it's going to be hard to adjust to. I'd kind of gotten used to Washington football team. Yeah. And just go with the W. Well, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Let's Think About That podcast. You can contact us at comments at letsthinkpodcast.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please click subscribe on your podcast provider and leave us a review. 